How are you doing, Ray? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's um, not had a, a second's rest since the end of the game. Radio interview, people asking me to uh, streams. Uh, it's just been crazy. Uh, just trying to calm down now. Well, it's just absolutely amazing. I was just pointing out to uh, Colin that um, the last time we were in the European final of any kind, I wasn't even a year old. I, I, I You were probably not much older, actually, Ray. Um, I, was, uh, this, I was two years old. This was the uh, the uh, the European Cup Winners' Cup final, actually. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you guys know? I've, I've just got a few... Just a few um, little snippets for you. Did you know that um, the first chance that City had to play in in the European Cup was um, because of the Munich Air disaster? Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, they um, obviously they uh, they dropped out, and UEFA wanted us to take their place, and we said no. Indeed, and uh, I think one of the funny things that a lot of sort of City. Um, aficionados, people like Dr. Gary James um, will point out is that um, it was um, w- when we won the league in 67-68, um, that was uh, when we um, qualified for the European Cup and Malcolm Allison came out with some... Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember do that. You, do you remember that, Colin? City will terrify Europe. Oh, because he <laughs> said something about European sides are cowards. You know, they'll come out and attack you. And City will terrify Europe. Well, they terrified us. He said that City would terrify Europe and we will attack these people as they have not been attacked since the days of the old Real Madrid. And um, first round opponents were Fenerbahce. (laughs) And uh, apparently uh, City management, Malcolm Allison, uh, didn't didn't scout them in advance of the game. No. And uh, he relied on a report from uh, some Englishman who who managed Fenerbahce between 65 and 67. I, I mean, yeah, can you imagine Pep doing that? You know, <laughs> he'd have watched them, you know, a million times. Yeah, it finished nil-nil, actually, and um, in the return leg, City uh, went ahead through Tony Coleman, but then conceded two goals in the second half and were eliminated. Um I'm trying to remember what was when did we did did we qualify after that for a European competition? Well, well, we qualified for the Cup Winners' Cup, of course. Yeah, that's when we we've we've been in Europe a few times. Yeah, um, but basically it was the old First Cup. That's right. And yeah. so I remember us playing both Juve and AC Milan. I think I'll just check. Hmm. Was it AC or Inter? I know that the... Yeah, 78, we played um, AC Milan. We we drew the first leg two all at home and we lost 3-0. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. We drew two all in Milan, which is a fantastic performance, and we won 3-0 at home. We played Inter as well. No, we played Inter. No, it was Juve. Of course, we did win the 70 Cup Winners' Cup final, and that was uh, beating uh, Gornik Zebradze uh, uh, in the final. And you were just saying there, Colin, before we um, we started recording there, that uh, that wasn't even televised. No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Joe Mercer saying heavy rain in the second half ruined it. Yeah, it was an open stadium, the Prater Stadium in Vienna. It was an open stadium. Uh-huh. And, of course, there were no organized trips in those days so you pretty well had to make your own way so i think there are about eight thousand fans eight nine thousand fans of course being a polish club they weren't their fans weren't allowed to travel it was in the days of the old iron curtain of course so um you know there was a few thousand city fans there who Mm. got absolutely drenched and basically some had hitchhiked across europe to get there and what i found was interesting obviously winning the league cup in 76 got us a place in the uefa club um that was after like a four-year absence. That's yep. the game. That's the game against Juventus you were talking about. Yeah, Brian, yeah, Brian Kidd, I remember. Yeah, he scored Stu- the first one. Scored in the first leg. One and nil. then we beat two 0 um, in the second leg. And Juventus, yep. won, Juventus won the competition. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, we qualified again, seventy-six, 
77 because we were league runners up and we were drawn against Vidsu Lodz. And this has got an interesting story. Oh, yes. This is just, yeah, yeah. There was the hooliganism. Yeah, yeah. There were a group of, yeah, I was at the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there was a group of Polish fans in the open stand between the north stand and the main stand. There was a block which was open. And there were a lot of Polish fans in there. They had Polish flags. The big Polish community in Manchester, of course. And um, so I think it was mainly um, kind of UK-based uh, people of Polish origin. And uh, it was all going very well, I think. Uh, we were 2-0 up. Um, and uh, Zbigniew Boniek. Boniek, yeah. How you pronounce I know Boniek was right. He, he was a youngster, play, a highly touted youngster, playing for uh, Vitsev Lodz. And um, he, he tore us apart. And I always remember Willie Donachie, who was the most solid of fullbacks, calm temperament, completely lost it, kicked Bonnier up in the air and got a red card for his troubles. <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, in, in 78, uh, we were fifth. So that got us into the UEFA Cup. Um, and we played FC 20. And uh, Dave Watson gave City the lead. I'm reading. Um but they equalised the second half from a free kick. But in the second leg, City uh, ran up a 3-1 lead, um, but uh, FC20 scored again. City held on, so preserving their 3-2 lead. Uh, but the interesting thing about this one was um, um, Gary Owen got a red card and, and got a five-match ban. <laughs> this was incredible. But, don't, uh, I don't remember that one, enough. So this is... Um, uh, in the second leg, City ran up a 3-1 lead. 20 scored again, setting up a nervous finish. City held on, and they won the tie 3-2. And this was the first time they progressed past the first round of the UEFA Cup in four attempts. Um, but... Um, yes, yeah, of course, that was when we played AC Milan. We played Standard Liège. Then we yeah. played AC Milan. We got that fantastic 2 all draw yeah. um, at their place, and then... I think we. I think the game was postponed today. Uh, because of fog, yeah. Because of fog, yeah. If I remember rightly, uh, and we took them back to Main Road, won three nil, and then we played uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. It was at the quarter final, and uh, that was the last time we played. We lost. Uh, we only got one nil draw at home, and uh, we lost the return leg three one, and mm -hmm. um, that was the last time we played in Europe. So we played uh, when was it? Uh, Napoli in two thousand? Oh, no, Hamburg, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not been a, a particularly, um, <laughs> it's not been a fantastic um, uh, run in Europe. Pep makes this comment all the time um, that we are just so, um, we're so kind of naive and inexperienced. But um, uh, anyway, let's just talk about uh, this game. Now, it's been a while, guys. Uh, since we've been on with you, um, since we were last on, uh, we won the League Cup as usual. Hardly needs uh, discussing that we uh, that we win the League Cup. Although we went out to Chelsea in the semi final of the FA Cup, couple of routine wins against Aston Villa and uh, a Crystal Palace, and then of course this first game uh, against uh, PSG when. Obviously, they dominated the first half. We dominated the second half. We got a 2-1 win. And that brings us to tonight. Um, so, Ray, how were you feeling going into this game? Um, I was feeling reasonably confident, as confident as you could be. Uh, I knew we were the better side, um, not just on paper. I knew, you know, we've, we seem to have been getting over our mentality problems. You know, um, we've um, come from behind at Dortmund to beat them twice come from behind to beat PSG. That season we came from behind to beat Madrid in their place. So we seem, and, and this season we seem to have a different mentality. We, you know, much uh, stronger defensively, much better shape generally. We've got that confidence. We've got that confidence that it's very difficult to score against us. So, um, you know, I was, I was chatting to, to people before the game. I just said City had a 90% chance of, of getting through the tie, in my opinion. Um, so, but having said all that and having all that confidence, you know, during the game, you're still nervous, still tense, uh, still worried, concerned because anything can happen. You know, they've got good players, but um, 
Uh, it's just a fantastic feeling uh, to go all the way to Istanbul. Colin, um, a pet before the game said that we were going to suffer in this game. Do you think we did? Um, not per- well. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was always what was going to happen. PSG were going to come out and, and try and get that all-important first goal. Uh, and I think for the first five minutes, maybe ten minutes, yeah, we did suffer a little bit, but um, they still didn't get a shot. Edison still had didn't have a direct save to make. He had to pick up a few crosses, and, but you know he didn't have a, a direct save to make. So uh, I, I wouldn't have said, um, apart from those first five ten minutes, no, we were well on top of the game. Ray, I fully expect um, a little bit later on to go on to ESPN FC and hear <laughs> Julian Laurent talking about the fact that, you know, things would have been different if Mbappe had been playing and if if, if Di Maria hadn't got sent off. Um, what would your response be? <laughs> uh, my response would not be available to air on a show like this. <laughs> Politely, I'd say, Julian... You can do one, buddy. Uh, in, in my best French accent, yeah, okay. you can do one. As we as we say in French, do one, Julien. <laughs> but look, I mean, we we didn't have Eric Garcia, so exactly. Yes, you know, we were, you know, we 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 had problems ourselves. Look, let's let's be honest. For all the whinging that we're going to get from PSG, and we've heard some of their players tonight telling uh, that Verratti was it. Verratti said the referee told him to f off twice. Um, someone else said. Um, uh, the referee told Paredes to f off. So what? They deserved it because <laughs> they're one of the they're one of the slimiest, dirtiest, cheating, conniving um, ball bag of a team that you're going to get out there. And it, no, it's disgusting. You know, so you know, he, he, here's one of the best stats, which I, I bet you've not heard of this stat. I, I don't I don't follow expected goals, but I see them popping up on my timeline on on Twitter. Expected goals tweeted tonight. Expected red cards. Manchester City 0.03. PSG expected red cards was 4.29. Uh, they they definitely could have been down to fewer than who, who, were, who were the worst offenders, do you well, think? Well, obviously, obviously, Di Maria got sent off. Verratti should have got a second yellow. He was already in the yellow and he pulled back uh, Mares. Um, and tripped him. Yeah, yeah, so he did two two yellow card offences and he got nothing for it. Um, there was a horrible tackle on Jesus, which Jesus managed to... Uh, leap uh, above from uh, Kim Kemby, I think. Yeah, that was a red card, I thought. Oh, my gosh. And it was so reckless. And there's another one that I think they could have got. So, But, I mean, this is expected. The, the expected red cards was 4.29. I think that shows how dirty they, they became, how uh, disgraceful. How, you know, they were, yes, they were frustrated, but you've got to be classier than that. You really have. And it just reminded me of all those Man United fans on the pitch the other day um, to get their game called off. Because just because you're not getting what you want doesn't mean you have to throw your toys out of the pram uh, and go crazy about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really not happy with their um, histrionics. I think is one for want of a better word. They're a yeah. good side. This is a sad thing. They're a good side. They could have done better. They, they had opportunities. They had situations where they could have scored, I think. Uh, they didn't take anything. And that's there. It's tough titty. End of the day, tough titty. It's interesting. Um, the lineup. Uh, the the only real talking point I think Colin was Zinchenko in for Cancelo. Um, not not for me. It wasn't because I think no. Cancelo has gone off the boil a bit in the last few games, and Zinchenko yeah. um, in the last in the previous game completely proved completely sealed his place for me. Um, what about Fernandinho in for Rodri? Now that people have remarked that Rodri in the last game started pretty slowly, he grew into it a bit. But you know, um, well, did that surprise you at all? Um, no, 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 not particularly. At thirty-six, Rodri had a bit of a torrid time, mm. and again, he's another one who, again, it takes him a while to get into the game. He's vulnerable to pressure a little bit. He doesn't come forward as well as Fernandinho. I think that's the biggest difference between them. I, I like Rodri as a player, but I think w- when you think that the chances were they're going to they were going to try and swarm all over us, I think Fernandinho was the right option. The, the only doubt in my mind was, of course, you know, Fernandinho has almost become a bit of a parody of himself uh, in that he's got to. It's almost like he prefers to foul than to win the ball cleanly. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having a bit of a laugh here, but. 
you know, there's a glint in his eye, isn't there? There's a mischievous glint in his eye. And, gets uh, away with it, doesn't he? Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was well, an expert at getting away with it, and uh, <laughs> but, but that 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 was for me. You know, particularly when you get to a Champions League semi final, the refs are going to be uh, on top of everything. So that was the only um, that was the only doubt for me with Fernandinho. But I, I, I think he was a better option in that game than than Rodri was. So for for me. That was the least surprising lineup of Pep's City career. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ray, do you think that the Pep's plan was to um, to play Fernandinho, and then if he did get the predictable yellow, then he would fetch him off and stick Rodri on for the last uh, half an hour? Look, Fernand, this is Fernandinho's eighth season at City. How many yellow cards has he had without getting a second? You know, he. I can think of maybe one game springs to mind years ago where he got a second yellow. But generally, Fernandinho is so clever. Um, and that's why why I wanted him to play some of the reasons that, that uh, Collins mentioned. You know, he's a quick starter. PSG in the, the first game and this game, they give their all in the first half. You know, they expend so much energy trying to close down, trying to win balls, trying to hit us on the break. And we needed somebody who was going to just blunt them. And he, he he's, he's the best. He's the daddy. He's the daddy of, of well, uh, actually, it's his 36th birthday. He's the granddaddy now. Um He's just so good at that position. When you need somebody to be ultra uh, defensive, and uh, we, we, they talk about the dark arts, and you can argue whether it should be allowed or not. Well, you know, he's playing within the, the rules. He's bending them as much as he can without getting that yellow card. It was just a, an amazing performance from from him. Uh, Rodri couldn't have done that. Rodri, even though I think he's got better than last season, he still gets caught on the wrong side. Um, Fernandinho rarely goes to ground when he's fouling somebody. You know, there was one today where he, he pushed somebody down, um, whereas Rodri would, would go to ground and make the foul use, uh, by kicking somebody. Mm. Bernardino rarely does that. He's a innocuous, but they have the same effects, and he doesn't get the yellow card. He just, I, it was just an awesome performance. And I said, uh, go back to last October, November, I said, I want Fernandinho to get another 12 months because I yeah. think he deserves it. I yeah, really do think you know, I've been saying that for six months. He's deserved an, a, a contract extension. And as someone said to me tonight, if we get him to stay on for an extra season, it means we can have a, a, we don't have to buy another player. We can mm. spend that money, extra money, on maybe you know in the three areas. I think we're looking at his left back, um, attacking midfield, and striker. We can spend more money in those areas if we need to. And then address the Fernandinho position the season after. Yeah, I totally agree. Fernandinho's got it down to a fine art. And I think it's something to do with that thousand watt smile that he gives as he's helping his victim up off the floor. But um, Colin, they really do shoot themselves in the foot PSG because Idrissa Gay got sent off in the in the first leg. And I think that weakened him because people like Paredes is... is no, no match for him. Gay is, you know, uh, a, a, a very good uh, combative uh, player. And then, of course, um, you're going to have to tell me a bit uh, about this um, Di Maria sending off uh, guys because my um, my uh, live stream just cut out at that point and I didn't really see exactly what happened. I, I saw them sort of like off the pitch, but I didn't actually see the offence itself. What happened there? Well, um, Fernandinho got a bit upset with uh, Di Maria over something. The ball went out for throwing. Fernandinho kind of followed Di Maria off the pitch, um, had words, I think, or maybe gave him a bit of a, a shove, and, and Di Maria just kicked him. Uh, you know, like as someone said, uh, you know, ha, ha, so, so well, what a good idea it was to kick someone in front of the fourth official <laughs> and a million cameras. No. <laughs> The, the thing is, I've got to say, I've got to say, I don't. From, from what I saw, it wasn't much, and I do have this um, frustration because you know somebody who's petulant or retaliates in a mild way. It's nothing serious, you know. If that had happened on the pitch, he, he probably wouldn't have got during during the actual game. He wouldn't have got a, a, a yellow card. It had just been a foul. And some of these horrendous tackles you see just get away with a yellow card, and it, you know it, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem fair to me. Um, I don't think it was much what he did. Now, I might be wrong if I watch the replays, but well, I don't he, think he no, did he that much. He definitely kicked out. Oh, yeah. Out. He kicked out. He had, had no hesitation. Yeah. So, but that, that's just the way. If that had been, as I said, if that had been in, on the field of play during play, he wouldn't have been sent off. Whereas some of those tackles that we've, we've talked about were horrendous and they deserved a red card. So, 
you know, look, I'm not going to complain. You know, um, we were winning the game anyway. We were going to win. Uh, it just made our job a little bit easier. A little bit like the reminiscent of the ballet on ice. I think that was in 1967, since we're doing the whole history thing. Um, Colin, I, I thought for the, about the first 10 minutes, I thought that uh, PSG, were they were passing the ball a little bit more crisply and um, took City just a little bit of a while to get used to the run of the ball. Some people were suggesting they should have um, replaced that ball with an orange one, but I don't think they do that anymore, do they? Um, no, I don't. They have the official ball and there's all sorts of commercial. And let's be honest, you don't expect to be playing on a snowy pitch, even in England in May. Mm. But um, <laughs> it was interesting. Well, let's talk about um, your favourite player, um, Ray. And I think that for once, you're, for once, you're just going to have to wax lyrical. And that's the Algerian prince. What about this guy? No, not Mike. I've got to be objective. You, you know me. I'm objective. In the first half, for me, he did precious little. For me. Um, um, it, look, he scored the two goals. He was in the right place at the right time. Uh, to score those goals, you give you give credit for that. But I don't think there's a lot else in the first half. Second half, I think he was better. Um, he had a lot more control. He ha- he helped us to control the game in the second half. Um, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go over the top just because the fella scores two goals um, about his performance. I, I, I thought it was uh, like most of the team. It was, a, it was a very very good team performance. He just happened to be the one that slotted the two goals in. Um, so oh, you're, so congratulations you're so hard, Ray, on this no, guy. I'm not. I'm uh, as objective as I am on other people. You know, uh-huh. people uh-huh. tell me Zinchenko had a great game. As uh, it's just my my personal opinion. You know, I, I look at uh, you know uh, what I want from players. Um, I, I, for instance, I think KDB didn't have a good game at all. You know, um, lots of wayward passes, and that's it. Maras did a couple of uh, poor passes early on, and. When you're trying, when you're trying to um, take the sting out of the opposition early on, you don't want to be giving the ball away. What one gripe I've had with Maris for, uh, and the other player for a long time is this pretend chase. You know where where you it is where you you try and con everybody that you've been fooled and you you know someone's done an amazing piece of skill and sent it the wrong way, so you don't have to do the the actual job of chasing somebody or something. So. When I see that, I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated. But look, as I said, he scored the two goals. He was in the right place at the right time. Um, he hit the back of the net. That's what you want him to do. That's what you need him to do. And he did it. So uh, congratulations for that. Well, I think oh, you, you know, there, there, there is something in it. That there were other people too that had a big hand in, in that first goal. I mean, uh, there was a 60-odd metre uh, passed by Ederson down the left for Zinchenko that got that move going. And actually, on Twitter, you had Tony Bellew, who's, you know, the former Liverpudian boxing champion, saying that he's never seen an outfield player hit a ball like that. He obviously hasn't hasn't seen enough City games. Um, never watched Asa Hartford. <laughs> Asa Hartford. There's a blast from the past. I don't think Tony yeah. Bellew wants to be called a Liverpudlian. I think he'd rather be called an Evertonian. Yeah, well, right. And okay. he's, big, he's bigger than you. Even though you're far away, Mike, he's bigger than you. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll just defer to him on that. He is an Evertonian. That's absolutely right. But um, that was a great start and um, put us uh, 3-1 up on aggregate. At that point... Um, how were you feeling, Colin? Did you feel that uh, they could have um, inveigled their way back into it in some way? Well, they, they could have done, obviously. But, I mean, Mbappe was uh, on the bench and didn't look like he was going to get on. But So, so you, st- you know, all habits die hard and you still worry, you know, because even with one goal, they still only need two to get to extra time. But I'm thinking even if they get two, they're going to run out of steam long before we are. And we saw it in the first leg. By 70 minutes, they were absolutely shattered from having to chase us around. And they'd had the best of that game for the first 30 minutes or so. Mm, mm. And, and, and the amount of effort they'd put in in the first, you know, first 15, 20 minutes. Uh, I, I was just looking at them thinking, by 65 minutes, by the last quarter of this game, they're going to be barely able to stand. So, so yeah, I mean, until, you know, 2-0 up with a minute to play, uh, 
quite confident. 1-0 up with, you know, most of the game to play. Still a little bit nervous, but, you know, you're thinking, we're nearly there, we're nearly there. Just, you know, don't do anything stupid because, you know, we've seen it before. Team gets one goal and, and like, you know, it, the confidence comes, the doubts creep into the opposing team, the team are given the goal away and anything could happen. So 1-0, even though we got a 2-1 lead from the first leg, 1-0 up, still a little bit cautious, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did you think about this, uh, Ray? Did you think that, um, and this was something that I did, this a concession that uh, was made by Julien Laurent, that uh, in the first game, they uh, PSG just ran out of steam and that City were far, um, you know, more physically robust. Is that how you saw it as well? Especially in that 20 minutes, it looked like a slaughter. I mean, City had two chances from Foden. They could have scored three or four there. What, in the first game? Uh, well, in the first game, in, in both games, really. To be honest, in both games, it was a tighter first half and City were dominant in the second half. We were way uh, better, better than them physically. We had more energy. Uh, we had more control. And in the second half, um, it just shows that teams can live with City for a bit, but it's hard to live with City for a full 90 minutes. It's hard to put in that level of uh, performance that PSG were putting in in the first half uh, for a full game. I mean, look, you know, um, according to Ander Herrera, Ander Herrera tonight has said, we were the better side for 70 minutes. We tried yeah, then it the, all. And the referee blew the whistle for kickoff. <laughs> we attacked. We tried to attack. Uh, that's my no, poor French accent. We are going to leave here with our heads held high. Your head should be on the floor. You know, you, you, you guys were disgraceful. So, uh, it's crazy. Uh, I'm just talking about comments. Uh, Rio Ferdinand tonight, before I forget, he said, I would say Phil Foden is the best young player in the world right now on form. I think he is. So there's going to be lots of comments, lots of uh, points, uh, you know. Uh, but the thing is, we 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 have this level that we can keep, and we can sustain it throughout the game. You know, even at the end when we're, you can see some players are really tired. KDB, for instance, you know, towards the end of games, he looks really knackered. But we can still keep going. We can still keep pushing. And other teams, you've got to remember, well, whilst our players might be knackered, the other teams' players are, are more knackered. So we can keep going. And it, it's a testament to what Pep's done. You can't knock that. It's a testament to the players. You know, they've, they go along with the training. They work really hard to be in the physical condition they are. So it's just... Um, it's just awesome. It's just been awesome both legs. Mm. Nice little message from Nick Harris here on Twitter. He says, congratulations to Man City on reaching a first Champions League final and also on a third FFP investigation in seven years. So it's just these salty tears that you just you just want to collect them in a yeah, cup. It's not, even, it's not even right because I'm, I'm 99% certain it's nothing to do with FFP. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. So, guys, uh, tell me about your. It's very. As someone mentioned, in fact, more than one person mentioned, it's just very, very difficult to pick out an absolute standout player. But um, let, let's have a go. Who impressed you? Well, well, I mean, everyone did. Um, it's a bit like the MasterChef final, where the standard is so high that even the smallest mistake um, can lead to you losing out the title. You watch MasterChef, do you, Colin? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I love MasterChef. It's about the only thing I do watch. So, you know, you, you, look at, you look at the back four. I mean, Edison, that, that pass to Zinchenko for, for the first goal was superb. Mm-hmm. You know, did, didn't let us down. Yeah, the back four, all well. 10 out of 10. You know, so, so, but, but Zinchenko and uh, Ruben Diaz were probably an 11 out of 10. I thought both were excellent. Yeah, what's Zinchenko been drinking lately? I mean, he you is. What's happened to him? You know, and, and he's just crying himself. at the see in tears. Yeah, so. defensively as well, which was all we always said was the weakness. Uh, I mean, Mares. I mean, I know Ray criticised Mares, but I thought he had an excellent game. He he oh, actually oh, worked. Come on, come on, guys! I'm going to get death threats now. I didn't criticise him. I said he <laughs> no, didn't no, no. contribute to nothing in the first you half. Were, you were very in the first half, maybe. Yeah, Fernandinho yeah. was just brilliant. You, you can say the only players who made you know kind of slipped down the scale. And I said this on Twitter. 
Probably uh, Gundogan, uh, who had a very quiet game, wasn't in- involved as much as he usually is. Uh, and Kevin De Bruyne, who looked to me tired, looked like he was running through treacle. You'd maybe put them, maybe alongside, uh, no, uh, you'd maybe put them on an 8 out of 10. Mm. But that wasn't good enough. That's nowhere near good enough to get your man of the match tonight. Um, I've got to say, you you you, you exonerated um, Edison very easily for two glaring errors. There was one, we were winning, I think, 1-0. And uh, he got the ball. He rolled it out to Bernardo Silva very quickly. And um, it was just ahead of him. He couldn't control it. No, no, Bernard, Bernardo lost control of that ball. He had, well, he I, had the I, ball. Well, I, it I, was, I, yeah. I don't think he needed to do it. That's where what, what I think. I don't oh, need, oh. think he needed to rush it. And Di Maria had a shot, and Edison obviously wasn't in goal. And there was another one where he, where they were they were trying to stop our um, passing a, 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 a easy pass out from the back. They had three men on the edge of the box, and Edison. I thought he was going to hit it long, and I, I was expecting him to. And and then he fooled everybody by hitting it low and straight. Yeah, but I mean, he hit that's... it too hard. He hit it too hard. That put us under. Pressure that I don't don't think we needed, but apart no, from no, that, he had a good game. Yeah, I mean that's why I compared it to the MasterChef final, where you know the quality's got to be high, and if you make a mistake, you're not gonna you're not gonna win the final. So so you know Edison, yeah, I, I thought that Bernardo one was poor on Bernardo's part. I don't think Edison did anything wrong, particularly anything wrong with that, but that's a, a matter of opinion. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah there, there was another there was another one, but you know he wasn't really tested, was he? I mean. Uh, he had a few crosses to pick out the air, but not um, interesting. PSG had 56% possession, which is very unusual for any team to have that much more possession than us, but still didn't manage a shot, on, a single shot on target, which was um, quite incredible, really. How uh, and you... I think, and I thought I wouldn't, I wouldn't seriously consider Edison for man of the match because the, the you know the five in front of him, were, you know, were all in the mix for that. That title, along with Foden, along with um, Mares, and as I say you, you might take it off Mares perhaps for that first half. It wasn't a bad performance, but I think you, you're probably right. He wasn't quite as involved as he was in the second half. So, you know, it's um, it, it, a struggle. You know, anyone at the battle, Kyle Walker had a brilliant game. John Stones was brilliant. Uh, Ruben Diaz, Zinchenko, I, I would struggle to choose between the two, and Foden was brilliant. Yeah, what, um, Ray, what did you think about the threat from um, PSG? What did you think of Neymar? He was their main man, after all. Neymar ha- has quality. He has such technical ability. He can, you know, spin. Uh, he, I said the other day, he can take two men on in, in a telephone box. He's that good. He doesn't need any space to, to work in. He's um, maybe as good as Phil yeah. Foden. Yeah, exactly. And that's why Phil, Phil is, is, is up there right now. Um, yeah. But the thing with Neymar is, yes, he does frustrate when he goes. I, I, I have no problem with you going down if you've been fouled, um, even if it's a, 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 you know a, a small foul, let's say, because everybody's got different pain thresholds, uh, and I don't have an issue. It's, it's this histrionics. It's the you know, and, and several of the PSG players were asking the referee to book City players for nothing tackles. Um, uh, it's that it's that childish petulance. I hate it. He's such a good player. You know, he look every time he got the ball, you could see, especially in, in our penalty around our penalty area, we were worried. We were trying to crowd him out, slow him down. Don't let him, you know, uh, be as creative as uh, as he wants. Don't give him the opportunity to shoot. And I think most of the time we did that. He was a threat. He's always going to be a threat. But you know, I think for for most parts of the game. Um, we we dealt with him really efficiently. I was surprised to see Aguero get on, even though it was only for the last sort of five, six minutes. But he wasn't best pleased when he saw the wrong number go up on the board, was he? That was quite funny. I don't know if you noticed that. But, um, no, I didn't notice that. No, they, they put his... Oh, they put up um, Gabriel Jesus' number nine, and he had uh, to tell the fault official, I'm not nine, I'm number ten. Uh, <laughs> Which is quite important to him. Do you think um, he'll he will play much of a role in, in the end of the season, then, guys? He'll play in the league. Yeah, he play. I I think he'll start a couple more games. Um, I'd like him to get a few minutes in the final and mm-hmm. score um, score our fourth goal. Um, but <laughs> I don't think he's, he's going to start. I don't think he's going to have to do something spectacular in the remainder of the season. I just don't think he's got time. 
um, to be able to start in the final. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, so, guys, um, just before we talk about possible opponents in the final, uh, any other any other things that you want to mention about this game? Yeah, uh, me particularly, because um, on this pod, I, I have been critical in the past of our defensive organisation. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I take it, well, I, I was critical at the time. I, was, I think I was right to be critical, but we turned into one of those teams that we hate playing against tonight where they get they can get 10 men behind the ball quickly and defend for their lives. And, and that's the team we've become. And the defensive organisation is now uh, impeccable. You know, we get players back, we get into shape so quickly, Where whereas previously we've been very dilatory about, about that. You know, players jogging back and players marking the wrong man. And we've got that off to a fine hour. And, and it reminds me a bit of when um, Mancini took over from Mark Hughes. And the first task was to organise the defence, get a solid at the back. Then he concentrated on playing from the front. And Pep's sort of done it the other way around, hasn't he? He's got us playing from the front. And now, now he's got us solid as the back and we look unbeatable. Although we obviously have been beat. But, you know, you know what I mean? You know, we've got to the Champions League final and we've got there without losing a single game. Mm-hmm. Sweet revenge over Pochettino as well after that loss against yeah. Tottenham. Wasn't it? Um, I've just got a lovely little opt-to-joe opt quote here. Pochettino has lost more games against Guardiola than he has against any other manager in his career, a total of 12. But my absolute favourite stat is this one about um, uh, Fernandinho. So Fernandinho uh, is the joint oldest outfield player to win a UEFA Champions League game on their birthday. <laughs> alongside Bayer Leverkusen's Ulf Kirsten in December 2001. I, I think that's the best one of the night. And if you can't remember Ulf Kirsten, then then uh, you're you're well. If you if you can, you're a better man than me. But um, yeah, a 51 year wait to reach a European final, and uh, we've got the choice. Of Chelsea or Real Madrid, who do you fancy, Ray? Real Madrid. You do because you think Chelsea have got the Indian sign over us, do you? I don't think they've got the Indian sign. I think they're more resolute. I think Madrid will give us more opportunities. I think Madrid rely far too much on um, one man, and that's mm-hmm. uh, Benzema. I think they rely far too much on him. If we can keep him quiet, and look, we've uh, we've been up against Haaland and. Uh, you know, we kept him down to was it one shot in two games. We've been up against Neymar and Mbappe. Okay, this second game without Mbappe, but we kept them pretty quiet. So I'd like to feel that we can do the same to Real Madrid, and it would be nice to beat the thirteen times winners. Uh, and if you, if you lost to me, Real Madrid, I think it would hurt less than losing to Chelsea. Um, so I, I, that's why I, I'd love to play Real Madrid. What do you think, Colt? I think I agree with Ray, yeah. I mean, um, obviously we, well, I would say we threw the FA Cup semi-final, but it, it was it was definitely seemed to be deemed to be expendable. But Chelsea, a very well-organised team. Um, but, you know, on our day, we can beat anyone. So uh, I, I think I prefer Madrid, though. Um, just moving away slightly uh, from uh, this particular topic, um, any of you guys got a prediction about when we'll seal the title? Since that United-Liverpool game got postponed? Chelsea game. Well, Saturday, I hope, yeah. Yeah, I think we'll do it against them. Um, I don't see why not. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, we, 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 I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea are in a different, difficult position. We get an extra day's rest, if you think that um, means anything. Um, so, I think, I think we'll do it against Chelsea. I, I think we'll at least um, get, get um, a draw. Um, and I'm just checking who United are playing this weekend. In case we don't don't do it, um, assuming their fans let them play. Like them. Oh, they're playing away against Villa on on Sunday. So um, come on, the Villa, come up the Villa. Yes. Um, but well, we, we could have won it by that, of course. I mean, what a week this will have been if we win it on Saturday. And then we've got a week off to well, from Saturday to Friday till the Newcastle game. Mm-hmm. That's a luxury, isn't it? That's a luxury, a luxury yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is. Well, hopefully, hopefully, we'll do it on Saturday. Yeah, I, I want. I want us to. 
I'd like to do it by winning on Saturday and then maintaining our form um, and, and win games. You know, I, I want to win at, New, uh, at Newcastle, keep our away uh, winning streak. What is it? Ninety? I can't remember what it is now. It's so many. I'd love to to, to win that and, and keep that. Uh, that, that going along and then go and beat Brighton. Just keep winning till the end of the season. I, I, you know, I really would like us to get. Nine, I think we can get ninety-two points. I'd like that because I, I always think ninety points is the mark of a really good team. If you can get more than ninety points, you're a really good team. Um, and and not many teams. And and you know, and the testament to that is in about thirty twenty-nine years, how many teams have got ninety points? You know, we're looking at what, six or seven, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a it's a fact that United we're on eighty points at the moment. United, even if they won every single game from now to the end of the season, they could only get eighty two. So it will be over fairly quick, guys. Who do you think are going to occupy third and fourth? Who's going to miss out on the top four then? Well, I think um, you know you're looking at Leicester for a wobble, but they seem to have stabilised. And yeah. I don't think they've got the most. Just checking their. Oh, they got uh, tough run. running. Got yeah, tough actually, running. yeah. Well, they've got Newcastle this weekend. Um, then they're away at United, so that's six points, isn't it? Um, then they're home to Chelsea. Then away to Chelsea. No, they're, they're, they're playing Chelsea in the FA Cup final. Oh, is that on the nineteenth, isn't it? Yeah. No, no, that no. It's a. You'll get that. They 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 were they're playing Chelsea twice. They're playing on the fifteenth. And they have a oh, final, right, yes, then yeah, they're yeah, playing yeah, Chelsea yeah. away on the 19th, yeah. and then they're playing yeah. at home to Spurs. I mean, for me, um, I, I want uh, Leicester to, to beat Newcastle. I think if they beat Newcastle, that's almost almost there if they beat Newcastle, um, yeah. because it, it's difficult, you know, uh, uh, did it be on 66 West Ham? Look, look, look West Ham can still well, get well, to Spur- 70 points. Spurs, Spurs can only get 68. Liverpool could potentially get um, 69, but I don't think Liverpool will get 69. Well, the thing is, if, if the way I look at it, if Leicester win, they're on 66, yeah. Liverpool if, would have to win every single game to get to 69. Yeah. I, I, Leicester, I think if, yeah, if, if Leicester beat Newcastle, they see all, the third place. I don't see they, that. I think they're almost look, I mean, you, you just don't know. I mean, look, West Ham, you know, we, we can think that West Ham can't do anything, but West Ham can still get to 70 points. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 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 but we, we, we play Chelsea, don't we, on um, yeah. Saturday, and and they're playing Everton. Um, look, Everton. Look, look at West Ham's games: home to Everton, away to Brighton, away to West yeah. Brom, who are, who'll be down by then. Home to Southampton. Now, who's to say they can't get ten points out of those games? Yeah. If West yeah. Ham get ten points, and they're on sixty-eight. Uh, a slip up by anybody else, and you know, even if you don't think they're going to do it, Chelsea are on 61, they've got four games to go, they lose to City, they lose to City, then West Ham are on the level on points with Chelsea, uh, if if West Ham beat Everton, so, I mean, for me, it would be awesome if Leicester finished third, and West Ham finished fourth, to, to, yeah. to have Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool, um, and Arsenal out of the Champions League, is he's just incredible. <laughs> Guys, I can't let you uh, go without uh, a few comments on some of the things that are in the extraneous news. Uh, one of the things is that uh, Jose Mourinho has uh, forfeited another one of those big payoffs by going straight for Roma. I think uh, uh, I think he'll have something in his contract that um, he, yeah. he he'll get something. But you've got to remember, he's not going tomorrow. He's going uh, at, for next season. So. Uh, he, he, the earliest he'll go, I reckon, is he'll be there in June or July. So Spurs will still have to pay him another four or six weeks minimum. So it's it's still not free. Um, but I, I think he'll have something in his contract. I don't think he jumps shit so quickly, uh, um, you know, unless he thinks there's no the there's no bigger club he can get to. You know, there's no one left in England anymore, um, really, for him. Where can he, where else can he go? So maybe he has got no other option, um, but I, I think he'll have something in the contract where he will receive a payoff if he takes another job. Indeed, and um, I, I think uh, Colin, you and I both were reading this particular thread on Twitter by uh, someone called Spider Mank, yeah, uh, who was uh, taking you through um, Manchester United's uh, financial. Um, 
comings and goings down the years. Um, and uh, you thought that was a, quite a good thread. And what was interesting for you about that, particularly in the light of all of this violence that you saw on the, on their uh, on their in their stadium? Well, well, you know, you look at it on a number of levels, can't you? Yes, the European Super League unleashed a lot of anger among football fans, us included, our fans included. We didn't feel the need to go down to break into the Etihad and uh, and protest. But you know what people say about United fans, they, they, they suffered the Glazers for 16 years. Well, uh, t- to be fair, in that time they've won, what, something like 12 trophies, 12 13. major trophies, six, six community five, shields. Well, if we can forget the community shields, won five league titles. They've won uh, an FA Cup, I, I think two league four, cups, right, yeah. a Champions League. Um, yeah. They've won two FA Cups, a Champions League and a Europa League. Yeah. I think. So, it, it's, I, I understand that. And I was asking a United fan on Twitter who was being a bit arse, like, like they always are. Uh, you know, United fans complain about their owners, and, and they're entitled to do that, of course. Um, thank, you know, thank God they've got the Glazers as owners, because I'm sure they've paid at, at least as much a part in our success uh, as, they, as our owners have played, uh, being sarcastic about it. Uh, and what they hate is that the Glazers have come in and landed them in debt. And I have some sympathy with them. You know, I, I've always been in the opinion that you should be not, you should not be allowed to buy football clubs uh, using debt and their own money, like like Burnley were, like United were. Because in the NFL, if you wanted to buy an NFL franchise, it's cash. You've got to put the cash down, which is why it's so difficult to afford uh, for an individual to afford an NFL franchise. It tends to be syndicates, uh, but you're only allowed to borrow two hundred and fifty million dollars. I think is the maximum you can borrow. Uh, so, so there's no way you could borrow, you know, the, the the amount of money that Glazers borrowed and then secure it on the assets of the club. So, so yet yeah, we, as far as United fans are concerned, yeah, I've got immense sympathy with that point of view. But mm-hmm. my, my 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 question to this United fan was: let, let's assume the Glazers had bought the club and not incurred any debt, so they'd used all their own resources or private resources, even if they borrowed the money privately. Let's assume they'd done that, and, and there wasn't a bit of debt on United's balance sheet, apart from the usual um, debt you have of paying suppliers, money you owe for players, money you owe to the end of revenue, etc. So, so you know, that's the, just a normal debt you expect from a company. So, if, if that debt wasn't on the balance sheet, but everything else stayed the same, you know, they, they they'd got rid of Ferguson, appointed Moyes, appointed Van Gaal, appointed Mourinho, and appointed Solskjaer. Uh, you know, and if they won, I think they won what they won, an FA Cup and a Europa League since Ferguson, or two FA Cups and a Europa League since Ferguson retired. Uh, Say, so I put the question to him would the fans still be as aggrieved at the owners if the debt wasn't an issue? Uh, and he, w- he wouldn't answer. He said, There are too many variables. I said, Well, I've made it easy for you. I've only given you one, which is the debt. And he wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't answer. But I reckon, I reckon that. In all the talk about the soul of football and the fans taking it back, the problem is, forget the debt the Glazers have landed them in, the problem is the Glazers own them. <laughs> and the Glazers relied so much on Ferguson to deliver the trophies. And when he went, the magic went with him. And they've not got a particularly good structure in place, like we have, to ensure success. They bought largely bought very badly. I mean, Fernandez is probably the the best buy they've had in the last five seasons. Um, so, you know, if you if you just took the debt away, the, the, the fans would still be annoyed. But they're annoyed, uh, Colin, because some of them are annoyed. They said that, that you know, the interest payments, the dividends uh, and other things that they're taking away. But they only think the, the, those fans only look at it from one side. They say this is what they've taken away. They don't look at it and say... Uh, in 2000, they bought the club in 2005. Oh, they got 75% of the shares in 2005. In 2006, Man United's commercial income was £51 million. £51 million in 2006. The last set of accounts was £350 million. Now, when you give, put that across to them, they say, oh, no, no, that would have happened anyway. No, it wouldn't. The Glazers did. Well, the, the Glazers saw an underused asset. Absolutely. Absolutely, and they I mean, so, and some of the money, yeah, some of the money has come from increased Premier League TV deals, of course, and 
No, but um, I'm just talking commercial income. I'm yeah, just yeah. talking commercial income. So, and it's probably big out. now. Yeah. Yeah, it has. I think it's just started going backwards. But the thing, what they did, they went and sold Man United. Um, oh, I, can't, I can't use the language again. But they sold Man United cheaply uh, or expensively around the world. And they were doing deals. Instead of having a global partner for motor cars, they'd have someone in North America or they'd have someone in um, the Philippines and someone in you know Brazil. Or they were doing regional deals. And they were getting absolute shed load of money. They were getting ridiculous amounts of money from Chevrolet, from Adidas. Um, and they squeezed money from everywhere. So it was down to the Glazers. So a lot of the money that Man United had generated, I say a big chunk, has come because of the Glazers. And, and it's a model that City have ended up copying. And the thing is, people forget, if you're bringing in, you know, let's say £200 million a season for 10 seasons more, than you were doing before, than you would have done without the glasses. That's two billion quid. So they brought that money in as well. Don't people got to forget? Keep forgetting that. And as Colin said, they spent the most money on transfers. They spent the most money on wages, agents fees like crazy. So they've done almost everything that you'd, a football fan would want their club to do: buying the best players or spending a lot of money on players, spending the money on wages to keep those players happy. They just made some terrible decisions. You know, Alexis Sanchez being uh, one, Mkhitaryan, Di Maria, and having unhappy players, you know. Um, it, it's funny, some players don't like being in Manchester uh, when they're here, if they're on the, uh, the, on the red half of the, uh, of the city. And, and so it's, it's, it's just a con. It's just a con that the Glazers are terrible for United. Yes, they've made an absolute shed load of money, but it's a business as well. They're, they're businessmen. Um, other bus business owners take their money out in different ways, like Sheikh Mansour. He sold nearly 25% of, of City. The, the last stake, he sold 10% for $500 million to Silver Lake, um, who just I've mentioned this. They're taking a stake in uh, the New Zealand uh, rugby team, the rugby union team. They're taking a stake in there. I mean, so their tentacles are all over the world. But that's one way to get some money back. The Glazers have sold only a few shares, I think, in comparison, but they get their money out in other ways. I don't see anything wrong with that. We're in a capitalist society. Accept it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the question, isn't it? You know, do you treat football differently to any other business? I mean, it, it's the age-old question. Is football a sport when it should be a level playing field and uh, stuff like that? You know, or, or or is it a business where you can invest money or you can buy a club and you can load a debt on it through a leverage buyout? I say that that's a, a, as far as I go is to ban leverage buyouts. Well, that, uh, that's that's one thing I would agree on. Well, because. Colin, just 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 to um, just to link this, it's a very tenuous link. Link, but what do you think of these bizarre photographs of Sir Alex Ferguson visiting the Lowry Hotel this morning and emerging with Al Khalifi um, <laughs> after a, after a thirty minute chat with the PSG team, who were the only people who were staying in the, in the hotel because of COVID? What was well, that? Well, 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 let's hope it does the same for the winner of the Real Madrid Chelsea game. Because yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, it has no impact, did it? Like, I mean, I, I, I mean, the, the, the nerve. If, if he was going to give him tips, I mean, um, on facing City, considering his record. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's lost every time he's played Pep. So this was his last, his last um, uh, swinger of, 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 or he was in the last chance saloon. You know, he could beat Pep by giving tips to somebody else. But I'm interested to see. I don't know the exact rules. You know, they were in a COVID bubble, weren't they? Because there was nobody else allowed in the hotel except them, uh, except PSG entourage, basically, um, or PSG staff. Was Ferguson a paid-up member of the PSG staff today? Did he volunteer this advice to PSG, or did PSG approach him for advice? Did they pay him? That's interesting. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he got there. I, I, I'm assuming he had, a, 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 he had to a, 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 produce a negative COVID test or some, some reason. How, how does he get there? How does he get I, there? I, I did notice, I wasn't bothered about that, but I did notice when he came, they pictured him coming out with oh. Al Khalifi <laughs> and uh, whoever. They were holding him up. Um, <laughs> so it must, have, it must have been a pretty good lunch. <laughs> I remember seeing that on Twitter and laughing out loud, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what can you what can you say about old purple nose? Uh, uh. <laughs> you got, you're gonna get these slur arics, uh, uh quips in it somewhere. But look, the fans they didn't have a go at Alex properly. If they wanna have a go at anybody, have a go at Sir Alex, where his pride and his greed 
on a horse called the Rock of Gibraltar, where JP McManus was letting them do whatever they wanted and, and funding and you know and, and supporting them. He was the, the the major owner, and the fight that Sir Alex had on a personal level with their major shareholder caused him to sell to the Glazers. So if you want to blame anybody, blame that you know pensioner for what he did well, all well, well, years ago. You know, I, I take it back further because. You know, one of the issues is football become business. And you get American businessmen who, you know, couldn't tell you one end of a football field from another, buying into iconic clubs like Liverpool. John Henry had never heard of Liverpool, didn't know anything about football. The Glazers knew nothing about football um, when they bought United. Um, Cronky, I don't know what he, you know, how much he knew. Uh, I think he did have a, I think he did have an American soccer club. But anyway, and. And football's got to be, particularly the Premier League, has got to be big business. How has it got to be big business? Well, it started when a handful of clubs wanted a bigger slice of the cake. And it started in the 1981 when five clubs, I've said this before, United, Liverpool, Everton, Spurs and Arsenal uh, ended the um, gate money sharing arrangement, which had been in existence since World War One, I, I think. And that, that arrangement guaranteed something like 25% to the visiting club. So it was a leveller. You know, so, so a club like Fulham who get small crowds uh, and a club like Manchester United who get big crowds, Fulham earned some money from playing Manchester United or you know, whoever. And um, it was a level. And if you look at who won the league before 1981, 1982, uh, occasionally you got a club who won it a couple of seasons in succession. They had a bit of a run. Liverpool were one club, obviously, in the 70s, but they were very successful. You know, Shankly, then Paisley. Um, you know, and the difference was the manager. Although Liverpool did have the backing of the Morse family, Everton as well. Um, but but it, throwing all that aside, it was much more of an equal uh, level playing field. And then when that gate money sharing arrangement ended, it cost smaller clubs money and the bigger clubs gained from it. And remember, at the time, that was pretty well the only main source of income for clubs. So it was a big swing towards the big clubs. If you notice from 82 onwards, the same names start appearing at the top of the league every year. Uh, and then there was a deal with ITV. And those same five clubs wanted uh, to be – they were going to be shown the most. They wanted the most money. And then there was the Premier League, where which was the breakaway threatened. The breakaway was handled, led by the same five clubs. And it's the same clubs who wanted the changes to the Champions League. And they've – those five clubs have engineered – and others – have engineered a situation – whereby football has become big business. And they're basically, they're reaping what they sowed because, um, you know, it, they, the situation has come about. that American businessmen who know nothing about football see a cash cow and want to buy in uh, because clubs have chased an ever a bigger slice of the pie. Mm -hmm. So even before, well, even before Ferguson took over, when was that? Um, 85, 86, even just before that, that, you know, the steps were in motion to separate the haves and the have-nots. And, and the haves have got richer, the have-nots have got poorer. And the only way, the, the only clubs who have broken the mould, Chelsea, Abramovich, Blackburn, Jack Walker, us, Sheikh Mansour, and then Leicester, to a lesser Newcastle degree. Well, Newcastle had a lot of money put in. Yeah, to John Hall, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Newcastle uh, spent a lot of money. So, so, but if you look at the league winners... Uh, the only one who have come outside the Manchester Arsenal, um, Everton, I think, uh, league winners. Um, the, the only one, the only ones who broken through the mould are us, Blackburn, Chelsea, and Leicester. Uh, and Leicester are really the only ones who've not done it. Had cash injected, of course, but they've not done it with a massive injection of cash. Uh, and that's the that's the playing field that's been created. Well, guys. Uh, I think what we need to do is stop here. What is not going to cost you a huge injection of, of cash is my opportunity for a little plug here. So Dr. Gary James has just um, uh, published um, uh, a little That's advertisement awesome. for the Peter Barnes authorised biography, which can be yours for the princely sum of £16.95p. And uh, I'm going to be getting it. It's called On a Wing and a Prayer. And the reason that I love it so much is if you go to his Twitter site and uh, you bring up the picture 
you can see the way that he styled um, the title at the top, the Peter Barnes Authorised Biography. The reason I remember this so well is, do, did any of you guys... I know buy, what you're no, going to say, yes. Did, you, did you buy the fit, fit Peter Barnes football trainer when you were a kid? You know, it was it was it was basically a football on a piece of elastic tied to a waistband, and uh, this was supposed to teach you ball control. It was the Peter Barnes football trainer, and thing just kept hitting you in the face. Uh, well, sure. it depends how good you are. If you're good, it hit you in the face. If you want it, it hit you in the balls. <laughs> but anyway, this is it. This looks like a great book, and um, I, I, I certainly wanted to plug it, but. Um, just one more thing, guys, and that is because we started off with um, this little history of a city in Europe. I'd like to finish off with a pop quiz question for you guys, because Gary has put it up here. And here's what he says, that, that uh, between um, Manchester City's first uh, chairman in a European final to their next, that's our current one. Um, there are eight of them. Can you name them? Easy. Yeah, well, Go ahead. started off with young Albert, Alexander. That's number one. Uh, and then, obviously, his son, Eric, briefly. Bingo. Uh, Peter Swales. Swales. And, obviously, Franny Lee. Franny Lee. Uh, and David Bernstein. David Bernstein. John Wardle. John Wardle. Uh, John Wardle, who to go with? Oh, um Paxton. Oh, Taxin was the chairman, yeah, wasn't it? Shinawatra, and of course, the latest... The late, uh, the great Khaldun on the The great Khaldun. So there you are, guys. All of the knowledge that you're getting <laughs> on this on this pod. So, guys, listen, I think that we'll just finish at this point, and hopefully it'll not be so long before you hear from us again. But we do have to thank our two contributors for their passionate uh, views, and uh, hopefully... We are going to be the first city pod up and out there on Twitter for you to get your ears around, especially if you've got a little bit of exercise to do or a little bit of walking. You can throw the through throw this um, um, in your ears and just uh, just let us help you along. So you've been listening the thing, to. Thing is, Mike. It might. I've got to say, if they if they're hearing you say that, then they've uh, already listened to the pod. Uh, well. <laughs> You have been listening to Ray from City Fan TV. Thank you so much for coming on. Come on, City. We did it. We're in Istanbul. We did it. We're in Istanbul. And uh, also, let's hear some hoops of delight from uh, Colin Savage or Press Witch Blue. What what a night. One of the best nights. Oh, what a night. Absolutely. Istanbul, Istanbul, we are coming at the end of May. Oh, what a night! <laughs> as a city fan, I'm sure. I'm sure. When I wake up, Colin would append uh, the words to that song. Uh, <laughs> well, listen. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for lending us your ears. We'll be back shortly. Let's finish off in the normal way by saying, "Have one on us," and you're entitled to have a big one on us tonight because of what we have done in our history. So, until then, up those blues, guys. Up the blues. <laughs> okay, that'll do. I didn't, I didn't know you were recording when I joined. I was sitting there eating me, eating me crisps, drinking me drink. <laughs> I didn't know you were recording. <laughs> oh no, those are the kind of sound effects we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you some stats. I didn't get a chance to say this. For P- uh, PSG attempted fourteen shots against City. Three were blocked by Ruben Diaz. Two were blocked by John Stones. One was blocked by Zinchenko. One was blocked by Fernandinho. One was blocked by Riyad Mahrez. One was blocked by Bernardo, and all the others were off target. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds about right. That sort of like um, that that kind of matches up with what I was watching um, between my fingers at some points. But anyway, fabulous, fabulous, fabulous result, guys. So um, we'll be back with you shortly. So um, have a very nice, uh, pleasant evening, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Colt. Oh, thanks. That was good. Enjoyed it. Gave me a little bit of a chance to wind down before I go to bed. (laughs) <laughs> all I right have a day tomorrow as well <laughs> catch you soon cheers guys take care okay bye-bye bye